Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Thanks, friends, for joining us today. I'm your host for today's show, Aaron Richards. And as you know, Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. We are carried across the global EWTN Catholic Radio Network. And I am very excited for today's content, for today's show. Friends, if you've joined with us over the past few months, you know that we've been anxiously anticipating the conference that we just completed last week, our Empower Young Adult Conference here at Damascus. We had close to 300 young adults gathered from all over the United States of America. And in the midst of pandemic, it was a powerful revelation of God's faithfulness and God's word now to his people. We focused around the message of Haggai chapter two. And uh, on the show that aired just a couple weeks ago, you can check it out in the podcast archives. We heard from Dan Dimite as he introduced kind of the, the, the theme for the conference. And in today's session, uh, in today's episode, we're going to be hearing from Annie Hickman, who is um, the leader, the director of the Del Rey Collective. The Del Rey Collective is an organization that focuses on outreach to your neighbor, to actually equipping individuals with the ability to evangelize in powerful and often understated ways. So Annie just gave an amazing, uh, an amazing, inspiring message. I want to root us first in Haggai chapter two, verse four. The Lord speaks through this prophet, be strong and work for I am with you. And then in Haggai two, nine, he says, greater will be the glory of this house, the latter more than the former. In this time of global pandemic, oftentimes our perspective has been, God, return us to the way things were. And today, in this message from Annie Hickman at the Empower Conference in uh, January 2021, we heard about how God's plan is actually that this time to come will be greater than what we left behind. Enjoy. God is up to something big at Damascus. Um, I, I get to, I have been able to travel the country, travel the world. I've been um, all over Africa and Central America and Eastern Europe. And now I've been to Damascus. God truly is um, doing something here. And I know, like, for most of us in the room, we can sort of, like, attest to that. I heard some amens, and, um, which is awesome. I, I, uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to, uh, to see what the Lord has in store for us tonight. Because he's always up to something new, and I know you know that, but it's hard sometimes, like with the motions we go through, there's sort of an expectation. We were laughing earlier about Saturday night, you know, it's like, well, it's Saturday night, so the Lord will show up, right? Like he can't show up any other night. Saturday night is, uh, is, is special, 
but he wants to do something new. And um, I'm, I'm honestly not sure what that is, and, and I, I'm okay with that, right? Like, but, but I do want to get a couple of things sort of out of, out of the way before I get started. You know, like oftentimes, I'll give a talk, and, and, um, and like, don't get me wrong, like, I'm not mad at anybody, I'm not like, you know, you shouldn't say this or whatever, but like, uh, but oftentimes, like, I'll get off, you know, stage, or like, later after the service, or after the night, like, any good talk, like, just, re- you know, and, and like, again, I'm not mad at anybody for saying good talk, but like, honestly, like, this is not about a talk. Like, the Lord desires you and, and like, more of you. And, and, and this entire, like, book and the entire, everything that we're, we're here for is the Lord just kind of talking to you specifically. Like, I love you. I love you, and I love you, and I love you, and like as a dad, I have, I have eight kids. People ask us all the time if we're Catholic or Mormon. Like I'm always like, we're rabbits, I think. <laughs> but like as a dad, I just, I'm looking at you young people. I'm like, dude, you guys are awesome. Like this is so good, and I'm not upset that you're into good talks, like, that's totally cool, but like, what did the Lord do? I mean, I imagine like, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, right? Like, the best talk ever given. Like, Jesus walks down off the mount, and somebody's like, Jesus, good talk, man. Can I get a selfie, or like... The Sermon on the Mount is not a talk. The Sermon on the Mount is meant to convey God's deepest love for you and I. The Beatitudes, right? Like all the way to the end. It gets scary in Matthew 7. But this is not about a talk. And, and, I, and I'm not going to get mad if you are like, hey, good talk, man. Like, great, great job. Like, I won't. But I, but I want you to hear this. Like, Like, we consume a lot of words. And, and in the church, we have this sort of obsession with the right words and the right type of feelings and the, and the right, like, phrases. And, and everywhere I go, there's a culture, you know, and, and you say these, buzz, these buzzword things or phrases that everybody understands, you know, what's happening. Oh, it's a move. It's a move. Like, God's move. That's great. Fantastic. I had never heard that before yesterday when I got a text from somebody from Damascus. I'm like, a move. Okay, a move. Uh, not a movement or like, thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. Like he's, a, okay. All that aside. Like what is it for you? I think we get so busy and, 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 into our thing that we forget that there is like a being that, that's so big that, that, that we would, we would our, our minds would just simply explode if we could see his bigness. There's a being here with us. It's not, you know, some genie in the sky or, or, you know, some 
guy with a big beard or, you know, Jesus, hippie Jesus, like petting sheep, like, hello, I'm Jesus. Like, there's a being that is so big that if, we, if, if we're into our little thing or we're into the idea of like a talk or we're consuming this thing or our favorite worship song and we can just, get, we can miss it completely. And we get obsessed with this, you know, the right thing or, you know, orthodoxy, right? And, and like, look, just get this out of the way. Like, I, I'm not um, going to, like, blow your mind with some, like, you know, new theology you've never heard. Or, like, I'm not going to quote the fathers. I love the fathers. I, but, I, but that's not me. And, then, and also, like, I'm not the funniest. Like, you might chuckle, like, here and there. But, like, I'm not. There are more entertaining people. And there are smarter people. But, like, my hope tonight, my hope in these next couple of moments is, is that we might have an encounter with God's word to the point that orthodoxy, like the idea of right understanding and right faith, would turn into orthopraxy. Like an actual practice of the faith. Because, like, don't get me wrong, like it's so cool that we're here. But there is like 99% of the world and on your campuses that are they're dying. And unless we begin to move from orthodoxy, the right thing that we're doing here and understanding and words and all of this stuff, we don't move that orthodoxy into an orthopraxy. Brothers and sisters, what is it for? Because here's the question, I'll just ask this right off the bat. Who is the Spirit for? Everyone. It's for everyone, man. And, and when you are in a relationship with the Holy Spirit and you're in a relationship with God, man, it's, it, 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 it fills you to the point that you're leaky. Evangelization is just being leaky. Orthopraxy flows from a relationship that's my hope. That's my hope for the church. Because I, I do. I see these movements. And I see your move. Move. Your move. I see the movement. And it's beautiful. But man, if this just stays here, what are we doing? What are we doing? So, what, here's, so here's what we're going to do. So right off the bat, um, I just want to pray like, I, I want to I get right up close to the heart of God right now. I want to get right up close with you, us, together, to the heart of God so we can listen attentively. This is not a talk, but an encounter, okay? So, so let's, let's, let's open our hands. I, I, I hear you praying fervently and shouting out loud, but could we be silent and in our silence just say, God... Like, give me more of you right now in these moments. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray that as we listen in to today's show, Lord, that you would be on the heart of every listener here on Beyond Damascus, that you would inspire us by these words, that they would lead us closer as any has just shared with us, Lord 
to your heart. Thanks for joining us, friends. We will be right back after this short break. Each person has dignity and worth, not because of his physical abilities or occupation, not because of her skin color or status. Each person is valuable, not because of his productivity or age, but because we are human, created by God in his own image and likeness. And neither economics nor emotions should alter the length of each person's gift to humanity. There's all kinds of prayers. There's all kinds of ways of praying. There's all kinds of methods of praying. There's a Salesian method, and Francis de Sales, and Ignatius of Loyola. There's Franciscan methods, and Dominican methods, and you name it, we got it. But sometimes we depend on a method too much. St. Teresa said that prayer was conversation with God. Do you have a hard time conversing with people? No, I don't have a hard time. Well, that's how it is with God. Thanks again for joining us for Beyond Damascus. We are right in the middle of an amazing session that was delivered by Annie Hickman for the Empower Conference hosted here at Damascus in January 2021. And without further ado, we're going to jump right back in. God, we thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We ask that you create fertile soil in our hearts. Haggai. It was a place in my Bible that I had not been in a while until I was called here. Like a minor prophet. The verse that was read earlier, right, is this, I had heard it before, but never really taken it to heart. Because I, I, don't know if, I don't know if you're like me. I get, I have problems with the Old Testament. Because I'm like a history guy. Any history people, like you love history. You're like, this, that, this is why they were, like, I can't read the, it's, I'm a bad like movie goer too. You know, if it's like historically and I go like that, nope, that didn't happen that way. The, the, the Old Testament is kind of like that for me. Because I'm like, man. Dude, Israel, come on. You guys grow up about the temple and the wall and, you know. It's important to them at the time. In the, in the eyes of the new covenant, I'm looking at it like, come on. Like, he's coming. This is the thing. This is how it's going to go out. So I have, needless to say, I have problems with Haggai. But that's good, right? Like, when I struggle with a scripture, you, that, you know that that's like the Lord speaking, right? Like, Mm, ah, mm-mm, I can't. So let's, let's walk through this. The, the, the two passages, two pieces that I want to kind of touch on um, tonight are two commands and two promises. The command, the first one, um, is, uh, is this command to... Be strong. And if you paid attention in there, it said, it said, be strong, right? He's talking to the king and the priest. The prophet is talking to the king and the priest. I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, man, we're baptized. I'm all three of that guys. 
All three of those guys. I'm the priest, prophet, and the king. So, uh, okay, which one do I? No. So he's talking to the priest and the king. He's like, hey, you guys, be strong. Other, tra- other translations, Haggai 2, right? It says, be courageous. Take courage, coraggio. I have a problem with this be strong. I want to be weak. I have a problem with this be strong, but I hear, I know what they're saying, right? Because in the historical sense, they were like, be strong, get to work, build the temple. God, in the spiritual sense, is saying, be weak, but be courageous. See the difference? The world sort of gives us this idea that, man, I got to, especially, oh my gosh, just you got to have it all together. You got to have it all together. You got to be strong. And especially in Christian culture, right? Oh, what did you mess up again? You're going to confession again? Be strong. Suck it up. Be better. It's not right. God says, be weak and be courageous. There's a difference there, right? We know from 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, right? It's in my weakness that he is strong in me. It's in my weakness, in my not having it all together, that he is strong. Do you feel weak tonight? That's hard, isn't it? Even to say it out loud, like, I'm weak. Well, let me clear the air. I'm a habitual sinner. I'm an addict. I'm impetuous, which makes me, like, bite off more than I can chew always or make promises that I can't keep with my kids. On any given day, I'll break 10 promises with my kids. I'll blow it. I raise my voice. I scare myself. I hide. When I'm feeling low, I numb myself, but just going and hiding. I'm a mess. My walk with Jesus most days looks like a crawl. Sometimes backwards. But I'm okay. I really am. I'm okay because I follow and love a God who loves me as I am and not as I should be. Because none of us are as we should be. Not one of us. Dude, if you're ever hanging out with a Christian that's like, I got it all together. Oakley doakley. <laughs> Beware. We're all a mess. That's the whole purpose. The healthy don't need a doctor. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner, unless you're like levitating in your chair right now. We're sinners. 
And we can't ask for help, we can't ask for rescue unless we know that we're stuck. You know? Like, are you stuck? I am. I need rescue. I need a savior. Be weak, but be courageous. It goes on like this, right? So he says, yeah, now, okay, says the Lord, the high priest, courage. Okay, take courage. All you people of the land, says the Lord, work. Work. I have a problem with work. <laughs> Anybody have a problem with work? That's why I got into ministry. Aha, it's a joke. <laughs> don't, don't. That's just a joke. <laughs> Be strong. No, be weak, be courageous. I mean, you guys, I see you kind to people. (laughs) You're kind, aren't you? Like, especially the sinners, young sinners, right? You're kind. And and I want to encourage you to be kind to yourself. I'm not saying it's okay to sin. I'm not saying it's okay to be, you know, an addict and sit in that place. What I'm saying is, is that God is patient with us. And he's patient with you, and you should be patient with you. God's making you better. He's making me better. Last year, when I was faced with a certain temptation, I I fell five times out of ten. This year, only four. You know what I'm saying? That's what, that, we have to start taking on that, right? Like th- this attitude of, of like, be strong. You got to have it all together. Stop it. Stop it. I have, you know, my, uh, I have all these kids. And so, you know, so like most of my illustrations happen there. I learned so much about God the Father by being a dad. This one time I was, I can't remember. I don't even know what she did, but. Avila, who's our middle, well, she was our middleist. When we had seven, there was like the bigs, the littles, and the middle. Any middle kids? Oh, look at all of you. Problem people. My, my daughter, lover, um, her name is Avila. I love Teresa of Avila. And uh, she had done something like thrown a sibling off the roof or something like that. <laughs> and she was in timeout. She had screwed up somehow. I don't know what she did, but she was in timeout. And like, I walked by, and we had like a space for timeout. And I remember walking by that space and I caught her, a glimpse of her. And she was doing this, punching her head. Oh. And you said, ah, oh, you're not even her dad. For me, it was like, it, 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 you know, all like, no, ah, no, oh, no, 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 no. It's okay. We're going to be okay. And then, man, it was like in, in an instant, I saw myself, right? Oh, man, how I beat myself up when I sin and when I fall short. And I punch myself. And God's like, no, 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 no. It's going to be okay. God is strong in your weakness. It's the necessary stuff of the Christian. Are you a mess? Welcome to the family. That's us. 
be weak, be courageous, be courageous. And when you go out, and I, and I, I see this in too many circles often, it's like, you know, like we think we're weak. And so we don't have the ability to go out, to do the work of the Lord. We feel like, oh, I'm not, you know, I can't do that. Like that guy, that guy who knows every worship song by heart and, you know, like he's holy. He can go out and do event. Not me. I'm not ready for that stuff. I'm so weak. No. God says, be weak, be courageous and work. The church for too long has been lacing up its boots. Like, I feel like this everywhere. We're like, well, we're just, you know, we're here to empower and to have community and to have this thing, you know, that just sort of we all look at each other. We all encourage each other. And we're all like, you ready? Yeah, let's go to, you know, another conference. Woo! You know, like, what are we doing? Lace up. Even before you're ready. God says, go now. Don't wait. Arise. Let us go. You're weak. Be courageous and work. Do the work of the Lord. And what is that, right? We, we see so many examples of this, you know, what that means to work and to do the work of the Lord. Of course, Haggai, he was talking about building a temple. And I'm like, oh, Haggai. And then I remember Man, we put a lot of emphasis on buildings in the church, don't we? Don't, don't we put a lot of emphasis on the stuff and the trappings around the church and the church itself? Look, you guys, if Jesus were to come back, which he will, and he was like, hey, where's the church? He's not looking for a building. He's looking for a people. He's looking for his followers. He's looking for the people that he founded. The church, more than anything, is a community, a body, his body, his mystical body. You and I, what the? Are you kidding me? Me? The mystical body of Christ? That's what we are. And so when, when, when we do what John 15, right, the idea of the vine and the branches, the idea of Mary and Martha, 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 and Mary just sitting and abiding, when we think about what it means to do the work of God, it means to abide in God, to be a part of his body, to do what God does. Here's something for you. Jesus never said, worship me. You know what Jesus said? Follow me. Follow me. Now, that's not to say we don't worship. Dude, I love worship, and I'm all about it. And in a minute, we're going to have Jesus here, body, blood, soul, and divinity. We will worship him because he's worthy of our praise. But he says, follow me. In John 15, he says, abide in me, and I in you, and you will bear fruit. Are you bearing fruit in your life? And if that, if, if you're trying to figure out like, what is that fruit? You know, well, look, start with abiding. This is the formula. Abide, bear fruit. For apart from me, you can do some things. No, you can do nothing. Nada. That's what we say in Texas. It means nothing. <laughs> it's Spanish. Is there some water? Can I get some water? A bottle? 
He says, follow me. This is the work of the Lord, to follow. At the beginning of his ministry, he goes, follow me. Thank you so much. Bless you. It's a corporal work of mercy, man. Just got a day out of purgatory. <sighs> the beginning of his ministry says, follow me. He's walking along the beach. Not the smartest guys around. It's not like the rulers and the priests and the Pharisees were busy that day. He's like, all right, I guess I'll go with the fishermen. He goes directly to them. They know their weakness. They know they smell. They know they don't have it together. They know they don't have the education. They're weak. He says, you guys, follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. And then at the end of his ministry, right? After his death and resurrection, he's about to leave them, depart. And he says, now, Go and make more followers. Go and make disciples. Go out and make disciples. So at the beginning, follow me. And at the end, make more followers. And in between, he shows us. And here's my concern. I think we have a lot of people in the church right now who would say that they're following Jesus, but their lives look nothing like Jesus. You remember the game, follow the leader? When the leader does something, you, you do the thing. Oh, the leader's flapping his wings. I'm going to flap my wings. Turn around in a circle, turn around in a circle. But in the game, follow Jesus, somehow you can just do it in your heart. Can you imagine a game of follow the leader where the guy's like, hey, you're not doing it. It's like, oh, no, I am. I'm doing it in my heart. I'm flapping my wings just in here. Jesus says, right, when asked to boil it all down, what is the law? Love God. Love God with everything that you have, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love him more than your job. Love him more than your shoes. Love him more than your degree. Love him more than your career. Love him more than your spouse. Love him more than your children and your parents. Love God over all. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's a lot of people saying that they're following Jesus, but their lives look nothing like Jesus. What did he do? He went into the margins. He loved the unlovable. He cared for the people that really no one cared about. There's a Isaiah 1. There's, <laughs> I won't go there. It's so hard. Okay, Isaiah 1. He says, right, like the, the word of the Lord goes, speaks through the prophet Isaiah. He says, I hate your festivals. 
I hate your feasts. I stop up my ears when you're singing those songs because there's blood on your hands. Ooh. Ah. Ah. Right? And, and in Isaiah 58, he goes on. He's like, is this not the fat? Like, you guys bow. Like, like I think he says, like, like rushes. You bow your heads and you lift your hands wide. Is that the fast I wanted? He says, no, this is the fa- I should probably read it. I'm paraphrasing it. I could, but we'll just keep going. He says, the fast that I desire is that you loose the yoke of oppression that you feed the hungry poor and that you welcome the homeless poor into your home. Yikes. There are a lot of followers of Jesus that lie, their lives look nothing like Jesus. And so what is the work of the Lord when we're abiding in the Lord, when we're, when we're you know, we're attached to that vine, when we're branched, we're going about being with him, we go on mission with him. We do what he does. I, am, I sometimes imagine myself like a child when he's just like, whoop, and, and then I get to go to work with him, you know? Like a little mini-me, just like, yay, where are we going? Where are we heading? Hmm. And see, the promises that are attached to this, right? This, this idea of be strong, excuse me, be weak, be courageous, and work, and follow. The promises that are attached there are twofold. One is, <laughs> this is awesome, I am with you. I am, see what they did there? Yahweh, I am with you. I am with you. Come on. Did you hear what I said? Did you just yawn? Like, God is with us. God is with us. Is this not Christmas? The incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. He's with us. I don't have to be afraid. I'm weak. Okay. I can be courageous because he's with me. He's with me. I can work. I can do what he does because I'm abiding in him. He's with me. Here's the, and here's the kicker. It's wild when Jesus and the, Lord, the God's become like all around you, right? Because what does he say when we encounter the poor, when we feed the hungry and clothe the naked? What does he say? He's there too. So like the spirit, you're abiding and then you're like, oh God, here we go. And then you see, and then the homeless, they're there. And it's like, Jesus is there like, hey, I'm here too. You know, right? Like God is in the poor. That's him. That's how he revealed it. You want a, you want a culture of encounter? Beautiful. Sacraments and the poor. That's Jesus in the world. That's where we get to encounter him, right? In each other. Because we're all poor. We're all poor. He's there. He's with us. Life is hard. And it gets harder. I don't know where I heard this one time, or I feel like I knew it. Somebody, I don't know if somebody directly told it to me, but... 
I had this idea, like when I was in high school, that like life was hard. You know, oh man, grades, girlfriend, blah. And then, and then like I remember thinking like, well, you know, thank God it's like going to get easier. Like when I, you know, when I'm in college, then, you know, I have my parents and, or, or, or when I get married, you know, and have kids and a dog and a house, like, you know, somehow I had the idea that life gets easier. But I mean, sorry to bust your bubble, but like, it doesn't. It gets harder. You've already experienced it. You're already starting to experience it. Like, man, it's harder because the older you get, the more people die. There's pain, there's suffering, there's divorce. Relationships are ruined. You know, pandemics, sickness, illness, suffering. You're going to suffer. We're all going to suffer. And and it happens. It increases. And I used to have this idea that like, man, if I just was holier, you know, if if I prayed more, if I spent more time on my knees, if I was more in a deeper relationship with Jesus, that life would get easier. And that's really not true. Jesus ruined my life. Like, in the best way, like, don't hear me wrong, but the life that I wanted, ruined. I had a plan for comfort. God had a plan for my greatness. I had a plan for stability. God had a plan for my peace. That's different. And when we're brokenhearted and it's like, no, there he is. One of my, one of my favorite uh, passages in all scripture is, is um, the Emma, you know, Road to Emmaus. You just like feel it. These guys are like, you know, like walking back like home. And, and Jesus sneaks up on them and they don't know it's him. And it's this wonderful path. You're like, ha Jesus, he's like there. And they don't know. And he's like, what are y'all talking about? And they're like, you don't know? Two, two, two things that stick out to me in this, in this passage that I just love. One is this, one of the guys says, uh, we had hoped. You know, man, do I say that a lot? I had hoped. I had the expectation. Uh, I thought. I assumed that, Right? And the second promise is, greater will be the glory in this house than it was in the former. God is doing something greater now than he did before. God is doing something greater now with us than he has done before. This is his promise. He's with us. He's doing something great. Now, if we get up like Haggai and we get up like, you know, even the two guys at Emmaus, you know, walking to Emmaus and we think that we know what that great thing is, like, oh, we are sure of it. We know what he's doing. Dude, you are, you're just opening yourself up for great disappointment because God will always blow our mind. His plans are way cooler than your great ideas. God's plans are so much better than my plans. And thank 
Thank him for that. Because, right, no greater glory than what he does. Thanks again for joining for Beyond Damascus. We're going to take a short break. And when we return, Annie Hickman will be concluding this amazing message on expecting the greatness of God. Wings is the weekly newsletter that's packed with program info, features, and updates of all that's going on at the Global Catholic Network. Just go to EWTN.com slash wings. Fill out your name and email address, and you'll start getting your wings every week. When you get yours, send it to all your friends, and they can send it to their friends. And pretty soon, we're covering the whole world with the good news about EWTN. Wings, the weekly newsletter from EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Now, not only can you watch EWTN anywhere, but anytime with EWTN On Demand. Get on-demand access to more than 12,000 EWTN programs, including live shows and specials, all in one place, all free. Just go to EWTN.com forward slash on-demand. There's nothing to fill out, no memberships required, and no fees to pay. All you need is an internet connection, and you're good to go. EWTN On Demand. Fast, easy, and free. Thanks, friends, for joining once again. Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. We are carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. And in this final segment of today's show, Annie Hickman concludes his message on the greatness of God at our Damascus Empower Conference that happened here on our campus in January 2021. Let's tune in for the conclusion of this inspiring message. If I, you know, wasn't married and have all these kids following me around, I'd probably go, you know, like risk my life somewhere. I love going out. But every time, like, I think of the place, you know, in the people group, I'm like, I want to go there. I want to share the gospel. God does, like, the Google map thing where he's like, zoom in. I'm like, zoom in. All right. Like, okay, maybe, maybe my country, you know. I'll run for office or something. Like, I'll, you know, how do, we, how do we do the thing? Any doers out there? You're like this? You're like, what do we do? I want to do something. Yeah. What do I do? And he's like, zoom in. I'm like, all right, country. All right, what do we do here? How are we going to do this? And he's like, no, no, zoom in. I'm like, hmm. Texas? I'll go with Texas. You know, like, I'm going to do something with Texas. He's like, no, 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 zoom in. He just keeps doing the... Like this, you know, like on my world. Like he's just like, no, zoom in further. I'm like, that's right. It's my neighborhood. It's my neighbors, my actual neighbors. When he says, love your neighbor, we have to assume he knew what a neighbor was, that our neighbors <laughs> are our neighbors. <laughs> and then God's like, no, zoom in. I'm like, oh man, what are we talking? Oh my, that's right. It's my family. I just need to pastor my family well. You know, he's like, no, zoom in. I'm like, what? It's like, my wife? <laughs> I, need to, I need to mission, you know? No. My, it always comes back to the same thing. The mission that God is most concerned with is my heart. The city of my heart. Now, Listen, if your heart's like mine, it's got some slums. 
There are places that cops don't go, right? There are places that are very dark here. And, and this is the reality is that God desires, look at me. God desires you more than he desires to use you. Your God is a father. It doesn't want you to skip any steps. He's there for you as you're weak. He's present to you. And he's doing something greater now than he's done before. But that mission, whatever you thought it was out there or with a movement or with a conference or with a thing or a podcast or whatever, zoom in. God's doing something greater in your heart than he's done before. He wants you. He desires you. A relationship with you. I have helpers. We'll call them helpers. Around, right? Eight of them. (laughs) And when they're babies, I mean, I have Oliver right now. He's seven months. And it's just like, I, yeah, I'd put a picture up, but then it would, get, it would just derail the whole talk because he's adorable. <laughs> but like, you know, I just like, I can hold him. I can put my head to his and rub his head. He has no idea how much I love him. He knows like I'm the guy, tickle him, whatever. <laughs> but he has no idea how much I love him. And he never will. My 19-year-old still doesn't have a clue how much I love her. And then I think about my own life. I'm like, I don't know how much my dad actually loves me. I think that's that unknowable love. Like the father of a child, a child could never know how much they're loved by their father. Only the father knows that. And I love these kids. But then they grow up. And you can't like hold them and rub their heads anymore. (laughs) <laughs> like they, they're just like, you know, they get to a certain point where they're like on your lap and they're like, can I go now? <laughs> like, is this something you're like, you're really going to do this, dad? You know, I'm like, oh, just give me a hug. Come on, come on, give me a hug. Right? Like it, it gets awkward. And so one of the things that I do is I, uh, it's a little trick, a little dad trick. You ask for their help. And you're like, hey, I need some help. I'm like, okay, I can help. My son, um, Quinn, he, uh, he's, into, he's into all sorts of things. He's eight years old, and uh, he got a tool bag full of tools for Christmas. And before we were leaving, we were remodeling a house, and I had to, like, put a fan in. I was like, hey, Quinn, because he's busy doing his thing. I'm like, hey, Quinn, will you come help me? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure, Dad. I'm the helper. You know, and he gets his tool bag and he like comes and whatever. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, yes, I did it. It worked. And, um, you know, it's like, hey, just put these, put these blades on. Like I showed him how to do it with his little screwdriver. And he's like, and he's totally screwing it up. Like totally screwing it up. I'm like, hey, you, uh, yeah, that's cool. Great job. I'm like fixing it. You know, like, oh, great job. Great. Look at yeah, Good job. You're, you're such a big helper. Man, you're such a big helper. Thank you. 
And I do the fan. And, but I get to spend time with him, and that's the trick, right? When I reflect on my own life, man, <laughs> I would never slow down long enough to abide with, in God and to, and to be with God and hang out with God. So he like sent me on mission. And I'm like traveling the world. And I'm speaking to tens of thousands of people. And God's like, you're such a big helper. <laughs> like, wow, look at you go. You're such a big helper. You're such a big helper guy with your preaching. God, brothers and sisters, God can do whatever God wants. God desires you more than he desires to use you. I don't know how he's going to do it. But when a group of people like yourself encounter the Lord, when you know and accept your own weakness and you're courageous in your work, you abide in him, you will bear fruit. His promise is true that he's with us and he's doing a greater thing. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, the counselor is present to us. Do you know the third person of the Trinity? Y'all, it's real. When I feel like I'm weak and I'm like, man, I can't do this. Are you kidding me? There's no way. I'm, I'm a dad of eight kids. I th- come on. No. I can't do that. God goes, hey, well, what if I got in you? Okay, maybe that'll work. We're like, yo, oh man, I got this thing to do. Or man, I feel called here. And they're like, I can't do that. And he's like, well, what if I got in you? See, here's the reality. We're not just helping God. We're not just helpers of God. We're his body. And God comes into us and gives us power and grace if we're ready to receive it. Tonight, we get to encounter God. And my encouragement to you is be kind to yourself. When he's in our midst, feel his love. Don't feel that condemnation. God loves you and he's a father and he doesn't want you to punch yourself in the head. He desires you. Father God, we are here for you. We desire more. Whatever portion you've poured out in the past in our life, we pray for a greater outpouring. We know, God, that you uh, are a God of miracles. And we pray tonight that as your presence comes to us in the Eucharist, that you work miracles in our life. Jesus, we thank you for your passion, and for your cross that won for us salvation and gave us access to the Father. We ask, Lord, tonight that you send your Holy Spirit in a new and powerful way as on the day of Pentecost.
wonders and works. We pray for that tonight. And as you empower us and as you give us your spirit, as we encounter you, we pray, God, that this doesn't stop here, but is leaked into the world. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. And friends, that's my prayer for you today. As we have allowed this message to strike us to the heart, we reflect on those words of the prophet Haggai, that a greater good will come from this time than what led into it. That as we continue to struggle with how is it that we're going to reorient our families, how is it that we're going to... uh settle in and, 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 and bring people back to mass who've left it behind? How is it that we're going to continue to make an impact in our workplace when we can't even have a conversation with someone face-to-face? You know, all of these questions that are going through our minds, I think the assumption has been for many of us that uh, we are going to be exhausted just trying to get back to the status quo. The promise that God has for us today in this message is that God had far greater plans for us than the status quo. And it starts with the transformation that happens in our hearts. Holy Spirit, thank you for convicting the hearts of the listeners of today's show. Pray that you continue to do it, Lord, and lead them to action as each one of us responds. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, friends, for joining us today once again for a special show of Beyond Damascus, where Encounter meets Mission. Uh, The fruit of this conference was just so good, I didn't want to leave you out. So, friends, uh, we look forward to seeing you again next week. To catch a rerun of this show or any of our previous ones, check us out at our podcast at Beyond Damascus, wherever podcasts can be found. And otherwise, Beyond Damascus is always a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. We are carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, and we're so blessed that you've chosen to join us today. God bless you. Have a great week.